What's up, everybody? One of the only reasons that this show exists and has been able to exist for over three years is because I have an amazing team that puts all of this together. I show up, I record, and the rest is done for me. When I started this podcast, I realized my strengths. I realized I love to interview people. I love to build relationships. I love to speak. A lot of what I learned in bartending is transferable here. I just loved it. And I felt like I was in the zone and I felt like I found my thing. But I didn't like doing all the BS. I didn't like doing the editing. I didn't like doing the, the show note writing. I didn't like doing the guest reach out. I didn't like doing any of it. Except for recording and building the relationships. So what I did was I created a company that would provide a solution to all of the podcast pain points. So I founded my company, Mike Up Podcast Productions. And that's exactly what we do. This show is brought to you by Mike Up Podcast Productions just for that reason. Because I want to help visionary leaders amplify their brand, their reach, and their impact through podcasting and digital media. The show has completely changed my life in so many ways, and it's continuing. We're just getting started. And I want to help other founders, other entrepreneurs that want to grow their brand. Think of this as a personal brand amplifier, an accelerator, an extension of your business that is going to help you become the authority, the expert, the person that becomes top of mind, you become omnipresent, and you're going to build all these relationships. And while you do that, you're going to build massive trust. You know what's going to happen? People are going to want to know about you and people are going to want to do business with you. So if you're somebody, you got a great business, you got a great team, but they're all busy with the stuff that you're working on, you're busy and you want somebody to help you either launch a show and help you blow that thing up and build these relationships, do all the things, or you have a show already and you're like, man, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Or for whatever reason, it, it's become stagnant. We got you covered. We full, offer the full done for you option from guest booking services to the full podcast production to even marketing opportunities. So if that's you, if you're a visionary leader who wants to step up their game, hit me up. Hit my team up. You can book a call with me. We can find out your goals and see if we are a good fit. The information to book a call with me is there, or you can go to my website, lanceecos.com. It's all there. Enjoy this episode. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. Today's guest is a professional speaker, peak performance expert, who helps entrepreneurs, leaders, and employees alike manage stress, increase productivity, and have more energy. He always gets his message across in a humoristic, charming, energetic, and passionate way, as you'll see in this conversation. 
He developed his entrepreneurial skills and communication skills during the five years he built and ran his real estate brokerage company. During that time, he noticed that he could help his colleagues with self-development by incorporating new rituals and habits in their lives that helped them not only in their business, but their personal lives as well. At a young age, he was, di dis he was di diagnosed with dyslexia at eight years old, and he was faced with many failures along the way. Because of his relentless attitude of never giving up, the failures have taught him how to succeed. He attributes a huge part of his success as an entrepreneur to the lessons he learned growing up in a schooling system as a dyslexic student. So this was a powerful conversation and we really dove into what, what dyslexia is, how to find it, and how to, how to pinpoint if it's in your, if you have it possibly, or it's showing up in your life. We went into talking about things around the school system. We went into mindset, different rituals, how to get to peak performance. And there's a lot of really good tangible tools here for you guys. So I highly recommend listening to this right to the end. And if you aren't subscribed to this podcast, subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you're listening to this. Or if you are watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and the bell to stay notified. And you guys, I love feedback. Share this on social media. Tag us if you get value from this. It really matters. And if you guys can, leave us a review wherever you're listening or watching this or leave a comment. Something to show that you got value because this feedback is important. And I just love knowing that it's impacting you guys. All right. Without further ado, Christopher Dayan coming right up. Right. Here we go. Chris, welcome to University of Adversity, brother. Super grateful to have you on. How you doing, man? Lance, thank you very much, bro. It is such a pleasure. We had so much fun on my show when you showed up on Friday on my Instagram. And I know that we're just going to continue this great conversation together. So we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, I love, I love those Instagram lives. They're a lot of fun. I like the energy of live. Honestly, it really is different. Like I have a, my own podcast, which is the Peak Performance Greatness Show, but it is very different in the live aspect. I feel like it's a bit more laid back. You have the interaction of the crowd at the same time and you can still utilize it. So it is fun. I do agree with you. Yeah, the energy of it is different. I want to take this show to that. Like I want to do the full thing live at one point where it's streaming everywhere. and Because I, 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 like, I like seeing that, the energy. It's like you, you get that real time feeling of the people joining and all of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, bro. So I'm curious for all of those that are just learning about you. Obviously, there's different reasons how we get into first personal growth and transformation, personal development, all of that, and entrepreneurship, right? There's always different reasons and different ways that we end up at this point. So I would love if you could give us a little bit of a background about what that looked like for you. You know, how did you get in? Like, what was the call? What was the push or pull to get into personal development and the wonderful world of entrepreneurship? Okay, so I'm going to have to take it back when I was eight years old and kind of give you guys a little backstory over here. So when I was eight, my parents noticed that I wasn't reading to the same level as everybody in my classroom. And they got me tested and I got diagnosed with dyslexia. So for people who don't know what dyslexia is, it's a learning disability. It has to do with reading and writing. And as they continued doing research of what dyslexia is, they realized that the ideal school for me was a school called Vanguard, which is in the greater region of Montreal, Canada, where I'm from. 
and they put me in that school. Now, at eight years old, when my parents come tell me, hey, we're going to put you out of the school that you're in right now in the middle of the school year and put you in a special school, I'm doing it air, air quotes over here. All you understand as a kid is like, hey, like, I don't want to lose my friends, right? Like, I don't want like to go there. I don't even understand what dyslexia is. So I got into that school. First thing I realized that, hey, I'm not alone. Like, there's a bunch of other students that have learning disabilities, hundreds of them, and are succeeding. So as I went through the process of that school, started succeeding because I got the proper methodologies, proper teachers, proper techniques, proper tools that I needed to learn, like how to learn essentially. And once I got to the end of the high school, like everybody, you try to figure out what's next, right? What am I going to go study in higher education to become a professional? So the first thing that came to my mind, Lance, was I want to be a lawyer because I like wearing nice suits. I like talking. I'm like, yeah, that's my stuff. As I researched that job a bit more, I realized like 85% of the job is reading and writing. So being dyslexic, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. So let me look for a job that has not a lot of reading and writing or no reading and writing. So what I found is actually fireman. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, let, let me become a fireman, the fire truck, serving others, the boys, the adrenaline. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. So as I went into that career, I started working at this company called Pratt & Whitney Canada, which is a company that does airplane motors. And I was becoming an industrial fireman there. And I realized that my life's calling wasn't that. There was something missing. And I was in my early 20s. And so much so that I'm like, my whole life, I was getting ready to be an entrepreneur. And I was repressing that due to fear of my lack of learning. I remember Lance, when the teacher used to come into the classroom and say, kids, put yourself in teams. That Even before she finished the word three, I had my head up and I'm like, who reads the best? Who writes the best? Let me put a team together, delegate the work. I remember in college when I used to fail, I used to go see the professor afterwards and I used to negotiate my grade up. I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. This is what I meant in the exam. Negotiation 101. So these are things that like, are super valuable for entrepreneurs. And I've been getting it at a young age without even knowing because I had to survive in the education system that I was giving. So at that point, I'm like, all right, cool. Let me become an entrepreneur. So the thing that drew me to entrepreneurship was to become a real estate broker. So I went into brokerage, started into that. The first year and a half, literally paid to be a broker. It wasn't easy. It was tough to start off. But then afterwards, it started blowing up. In my mid-20s, I started succeeding, once again, air quotes, in what society says success is, right? The nice car, the condo, the clothes, uh, the money, everything was there. And there was a point that my speech therapist that used to follow me in high school gave me a call to ask me about our real estate property. And after speaking about the property for a few minutes, she's like, Chris, how's it going with you? And as you guys are noticing in the lines, as you know very well, I could go on rants. And I'll, just like I'm doing right now, I went on a rant. I'm like, oh my God, it's going great, making money, so on and so forth. She's like, Chris, I'm the keynote speaker at this event put together by Learning Disability Institute of Quebec. I would love for you to come and tell us your story of how you are a successful dyslexic entrepreneur. I'm like, awesome. I love that. Lance, that same evening, she sends me an email and a subject letter in big caps. It's written, Chris, I think it's a bad idea to, for you to do this speech because there's still a lot of people that have a negative misconception of what dyslexia is and you might lose some clients. Now, I know that she was coming from a place of love. She really was coming a place that she wanted to, you know, help me and protect me in a sense. Now, I wrote back an email to her. I'm like, you know what? I think I should do this speech and I'll call you Monday to let you know why. Monday rolls around, give her a call. And I'm like, listen, if I'm not doing that speech, I'm not helping the kids that are on the school benches right now. I'm not helping the future generation with students of learning disabilities. And I'm not helping my future kids because it's something hereditary. I would be fake. I'm like, I'm not fake. I have to do this speech. And if ever somebody doesn't want to work with me because I'm dyslexic, those aren't clients that I want to work with either. And she's like, oh my God, yes, I 100% agree with you. I just wanted to come from you. I didn't want you to pressure in towards this. So this was the first time I went and gave a speech. 
Last, I had no idea what I was walking into. She told me it was going to be about 200 people. Brother, I get at this event. And I got ready for the event, but I didn't know what to expect. Open the door. I look left and right. There isn't 200 people, bro. It's like more like a thousand people. At this point, my heart is beating through my chest. Sweat is coming down my face. I'm like, what the heck did I get myself into? I sit down, speaker after speaker, professor after professor goes on stage. And then it just comes to the point. I'm like, yo, what am I doing here? And then they call me, Chris, please come on stage. And the best way that I could describe it is like this divine moment tapping. Like the universe has been preparing me from my whole life for that moment in itself. I go on that stage and it was just magical. Like it was like this possessive power to go over me and use my body as a vehicle to deliver this gift of what I was telling these people. Mm. People were laughing, people were crying, got standing ovations. And after that moment, Lance, from then on, I knew for the rest of my life, I have to shift it towards being a professional speaker and a peak performance coach. From that moment, I switched everything, stopped what I was doing, Everybody around me thought I was crazy. You're like, what are you doing? You just started successful uh, business in brokerage. You're gonna, you're like one of the young top like up and coming brokers in in our industry. Why are you going into speaking and coaching? Which nobody knew about it. I didn't know about it either. And the reason why that kind of happened as well, at that point, I had hired legit two weeks before uh, doing that speech a uh, high performing coach to get me an even better broker and to be an even better entrepreneur. Once he saw that speech, and I'll lean up, my coach, his name is Trevor McGregor from Vancouver, and this speech was actually in French, because like we say in Montreal, we speak French, so this particular speech was in French. He doesn't speak a lick of French, but he watched that whole thing, and he's like, Chris, you hired me to make you a top-end broker, a top-end entrepreneur. He's like, that's not what we're going to do. He's like, you're destined to be one of the greatest keynote speakers of our modern time. That's what we're going to help you towards. So that's how the whole process for me started of like finding my career and really going heavy in personal development. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. I want to yeah. really just go back to and break this down for people in the simple way. Okay, this concept of dyslexia. I really want to get clear as to what that means. And maybe people who maybe think, including myself, <laughs> what are the signs and kind of understand what it is. So let me tee this question up because I think we may make a video out of this because I think it's very important. What is dyslexia? And what are some things that show up in people's lives that may reflect that? Okay. Great question, Lance. And I appreciate that. So once again, dyslexia is a form of learning disabilities. Okay. Dyslexia is linked up with your reading and writing. There's different forms of learning disabilities from dysgraphia that's more mathematical driven, you know, numbers driven, uh, dyscalculia, once again, what numbers, a dysgraphia that has to do with your writing abilities, like you have a hard time, uh, your legibility on writing and dyslexia specifically when it comes to reading. Now, the way that I go about it, or the way that I explain it is essentially you have a hard time decoding the words in an easy sense. So if you see, like, imagine the word, let's say, uh, cat. Or let's say, let's actually use a, a bigger word. Let's use calendar, right? You see that word instantly, Lance, of course, anybody that doesn't have uh, dyslexia, sees it, spots it, and knows that it's kind of calendar, right? Towards us, we have to decode it, which is calendar. That effort of decoding it to be able to read it, it takes about five times more effort for a dyslexic to read than somebody that's not dyslexic. So it demands so much more effort in that regard. And a way that I could create this analogy, Lance, is... Anybody that's listening to this that has myopia, so seeing eyeglasses, the best way I could explain it is take off your seeing eyeglasses. 
And then I'm going to ask you, are you blind? Do you still see? No, you still see. You just see blurry, right? And then put your glasses back on. You see so clearly. That's what dyslexia is in a sense in regards to just needing the proper tools to be able to read. So once you know the proper techniques and how to go about it, it's just like having your own glasses. You're not blind. It's not like we're, we're illiterate. We're not able to read. It's just that it demands a major effort for us to read. Just like somebody that has myopia and then I take off their glasses and I'm like, yo, go try to walk around the world. But if you have a hard time seeing in the front or you know you have time hard time focusing, you're maybe going to stumble along, but you're still going to get where you need to get. So that's the way I could kind of explain it in the most layman terms possible for people to understand if they don't know what uh, dyslexia is. Does it involve as well your ability to retain information or if somebody, let's say, let's say you need to learn a concept. And let's say even, okay, I'm going to use myself as, as, as an example as to maybe other people are going through this also, because I think it could be very useful. I've always had trouble at looking and doing things like Excel spreadsheets and like mm -hmm. somebody's trying to explain it to me. And it's literally like a different language. And looking at it is like so challenging at times. and it's almost like it's repulsive to me where I don't even want to look at it. Now, what is that? And where it's like such a challenge for me. And let's, let's think about other people too. Like when they're being taught something and it's really hard to grasp it and apply it. Is that a form or is that just, what is that? What is your understanding of that? And can that kind of be similar? Okay. So there's, there's a lot of things to unpack there. So first and foremost, I'm going to ask you, have you, do you have any type of a learning disability? Have you ever been diagnosed? I have no idea. Or, I've, man, no idea. I, I tell you, I struggled in school to, okay. you know, to pay attention and to, you know, why, why I resonate with you is because your ability to speak and communicate, it's so powerful. And that's kind of where, how the only reason that I got through school is that I'm able to speak and communicate and, and allow people to ask for help and just have always been able to like, Hey, can you help me out? Navigate. Here? Can you help me out here? You know? And I'm just being fully transparent. It's right. So I struggled. I struggled. Okay. School. Okay. So listen, Lance, I mean, what you're saying right now, there's high levels of chance that you're showing sign that you had a certain form of learning disabilities and learning disabilities, just like anything, there's like levels to it, right? It's like you could have a very light learning disability, but you have one, just like you could have a very heavy one, which in my case, it is like on dyslexia, like from zero to 10, I would give me a scale of 30 on 10 dyslexia, but you could have a very light one. Now, that being said, because you have certain difficulties in one area, it makes it that you have to refine other skills, which is your social skills, right? You, like you said, you have to go be like, hey, can you help me with this? Hey, can you do that? You have to be charming. You have to be thinking, and you have to show your teachers that you're not dumb that you're not this. You have to show that you're engaged, just that you have problems with X, Y, and Z. And then by you showing that effort, probably the teacher's like, oh, Lance, don't worry. Okay, let's do it like this. And you would have passed maybe yes. by the skin of your teeth every single time. Yeah. So there's a high probability of chance that you have something. Obviously, you have to get tested and find out. There's a lot of people out there that don't have diagnosis. Okay. Interesting. So that's one thing. Second thing over there. So when you were talking about like the, the, the correlation of you, when you see like the, the spreadsheet or the Excel document and you're having a hard time. Like trying to form. figure out like the command this and do this. And yes, I'm just like, yes. get this okay. out of here, you know, like, okay, cool. Okay. Great <laughs> things. And why, why do I want to talk about this? Because here's the thing that like people ask like, okay, like 
what, how does your dyslexia mind work? So essentially it is a neurological uh, situation. It, my, my brain fires differently, but there's different, there's different advantages to that. I see opportunities and creativity completely different than somebody that doesn't have dyslexia. So I'm a lot more creative in certain regards in that end. There's other things that I have struggling with. So imagine the example that you gave, imagine Excel sheets, one of them, fine. And I find ways to delegate that. But there's so many things that I see opportunities and things differently in the entrepreneur world that help me because I'm dyslexic, because my brain is just wired like that. It's legitly like, like a neuroscience wiring differently. I utilize it for my advantage in certain regards. But the best way I could explain this is kind of like, this is like one way people explain like what it is to have like ADHD, which I have ADHD as well. Like learning disabilities usually don't just come one thing. It comes with like a, a pack of things. And like my main thing is dyslexia. I have ADHD, hyperactivity and dysgraphia as well. So all of that aspect is all together in different levels. And when it comes to like ADHD, the best way I could explain it is that you have a chassis of a Honda Civic with the tires and brakes of a Honda Civic, but you have a Ferrari motor in that car. If I teach you how to position and put the proper brakes and tires to control that engine, you have a phenomenal Ferrari motor in a Honda Civic. That's what you have to learn. And this is essentially what I'm kind of getting at. If you know that you learn differently or you have certain talents towards your communication, building teams and all that, that's where you kind of lean towards. And then the rest, you try to look at what tools can I utilize, such as the glasses with the example of the people with myopia that I was explaining to use so you could be able to succeed in that world of whatever you're having struggles with. Mm -hmm. So that's the best way I would kind of explain it. And there's a lot of people that have that. I mean, like Richard Branson, one of the greatest CEOs and entrepreneurs in my personal opinion, has dyslexia. He's the CEO of Virgin Group. Uh, uh, Rob Shaw, if I'm not mistaken, he has a dyslexia as well. Tom Cruise. There's a lot of people in the entrepreneur world and in the artistic world that have dyslexia. Tom Hardy, the, the current Spider-Man, he has dyslexia. The list goes on and on. It's so fascinating how the brain works. And it's also fascinating how one way the school system is and how if you don't fit into that model, it's almost like you're outcasted. You know, you're meant to learn this way, memorize this way, do this, go there. And then anything outside of that was kind of like taboo or something. Like if you're not, you know, and you know, when I was in high school, it was either you go to university and they were pushing the trades. So they were pushing, there's the baby boomers were all retiring. So everybody's like, go get a, a trade job, which is great. A lot of my friends did it, but not everybody wants to go and do that. You know, like it's, there was just, there's not enough of, all right, here's a unique human. How can we figure out where their strengths are and their weaknesses are? Because they're not necessarily weaknesses. They're just, they're areas that they're not, you know, they're not their strengths. You know, this doesn't need to be a bad thing, right? So why not? figure out how do we help this human go down a, a path that's going to serve them so that they can serve more people, right? Like, but as you see the high, high school, you get churned out and you're like, what do I do now if you don't fit into that model, right? What are your thoughts on that? Oh my God, bro. You're just opening up a can of worms right now. Like I said, I'm a professional speaker and a peak performance business and life coach. But I always say as well, I'm a learning disability advocate. So all this conversation we're having is a lot of my philanthropy work. I'm the president of my alumni association, which, like I said, is school specialized for students with learning disabilities. And I've done work with the Ministry of Education of Quebec to help them reform that exact situation. Mm. So here's my ideology. The school system has been broken 
for centuries, not centuries, sorry, decades, excuse me, for decades and decades at this point. It was developed for, like you said, the baby boomers to go in industries and so on. And back then it worked perfectly. And granted, they had to make it that they had to get as many as people as possible with that same structure. And they knew that there was a lot of people that were out of the box. They just didn't fit into that structure. But in that position, they couldn't, or they didn't have the resources to be like, how can we do it as much as inclusive as possible as us millennials and Gen Zs are looking into the world as like, how do we create it more inclusively? So now it is a huge question. How do we create that inclusivity when it comes to people that think differently, act differently? Because the reality is, brother, the things that we were, I guess, shunned for in the current education system right now, which is you're maybe thinking out of the box, maybe you're different, maybe you have too much energy, maybe this, that, and the other. The second you go in the business world, what do you want? They want you to be more creative. They want you to have more energy. They want you to be like, these are the people that succeed in the business world and in their career. It's so counterintuitive, right? So just that in itself, people are like, yo, what's happening? Now, granted, there is a major shift that's happening. And the shift that's happening, if we just look at, I'm going to call it our our cousins down south, in, in my regards, the, the Americans, which they have over a trillion dollar of debt in student loan debt, people are being more and more wise and they're realizing that the education system doesn't work and they're not throwing themselves to go to universities anymore. People are going to universities with the decision of, is it worth it for me to put myself in this financial debt, yes or no? Now, the industries are noticing this. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're the best if you have the degree. There's a lot of people that do not have the degree that are as great, if not better. So the Googles of this world, the Apples of this world, the SpaceX's of this world, whatever company, they're starting to hire people that have life experiences at the same level as somebody that has a degree. So what they're seeing is, okay, you didn't go to university. You didn't get a treat. What did you do? Oh, you started a business. Did it work? Did it fail? Okay, cool. You started a nonprofit. What happened there? Traveled the world. Not only that. Stuff like that. Traveled the world. Exactly. So because society is changing in that regard, it's it's inevitable that the school system is going to change. Why? Because everything starts with the people. Okay? It's a whole pyramid. But if you put that pyramid upside down, which is let's call it a revolution, let's call it whatever, the industries will change because let's call it as it is, especially the last decade or so. The education system has been... 100% a concept of earning money. So if then you have less and less people going there and paying you money, then you're like, how do we create new approaches? Like, bro, you have your uh, uh, university, your uh, university of adversity. I'm creating my academy. There's so many more things like this that are creating and people are learning to have experience taught by people that are doing it. So the whole industry is changing and I'm somebody that works really hard on doing it myself. And Lance, so are you with your university. I'm doing with my academy, you're doing with your university. So I do believe in 10 years of time, if not sooner than that, it's going to be completely shifted because it's just inevitable. Because what we need in our world right now, the education system is just not offering it. So it's inevitable that it's going to change and it's going to be more inclusive and it's going to be more open towards, hey, how do you learn? How's the best way to feel? Because I truly believe, one last thing, I'm going to go on a last rant over here. (laughs) I think that, Sorry, brother. I'm going because you really touched a button here. It's like, I'm really passionate about this. And we didn't even touch about like like high performance yet or any of that stuff. But anyways, I really truly believe the school or any school system has two main jobs. Number one, teaching young adults how to be structured, how to be organized, how to be disciplined. And number two, how to learn. That's it. It's not about what they're learning. The what they're learning is the vehicle they're using. What they have to teach the person is how do you learn? Lance, you learn differently than me. I learn differently than somebody else. The school has to give you the framework 
So the people could understand that you're a student of life forever. And for that to happen, they have to teach you what's the best way for you to learn. And for you, if it's watching videos, that's what it is. If you're listening to podcasts such as this one, that's what it is. If it's reading books, perfect. If it's listening to audiobooks, perfect. But if you're not exploring that in school, because they can't teach you like this is the recipe from now on because it's evolving too much with the society, with technology. They have to give you the framework of this is how you should learn. So then once society evolves, at least you know like, okay, cool. I know how I need to learn. I need to learn this new technology. This is how I learn it. This is how I consume my information. So those are the two main things that I think any school system has to teach at a very high level. And then there's mindset and all that fun stuff that we could unpack. But I think those are the two main things. Yeah, we'll get into that also. That, thank you for sharing that. You know, because I, I also wonder, there's like a fine line, even for myself, I notice, is it, you know, a li- sometimes I wonder, or is it a lack of like a learning disability or is it, is it being lazy? Like there's times where I'm like, yes. where I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Like, let's not, yes. you know, there, there's times where I'm like, am I just being lazy and not making the effort to learn this? Right. And then you, you, you start to tell yourself a story around, mm-hmm. I can't do this and I've done it. And I've, I've, there's so many things that I've learned. I I've learned a ton, but I feel like sometimes when you go into something and you're, there's certain things that I don't want to learn also. And I'm like, you know yeah. what? I don't want to learn this, but there's certain things I'm fascinated with. So yes. there's like a fine line sometimes I feel like if it's just a lack of, you know, for a better word, laziness, or is it actually a thing? Okay. Right? Okay. Bro, you are, you are opening up <laughs> some real kind of words right now, man. So I love that Lance. So there is that balance of like being aware of like, hmm, is this laziness? Is this a lack of effort on my end? Or is this something that I really have difficulties with? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I'm just going to say random numbers right now, but I would like say most of the population, it is laziness. I'm going to be yeah. frank. Yeah. They just don't challenge themselves. It's the reality. Yeah. And why that is is sometimes because they listen too much to their feelings. I'm somebody that's wholly involved in personal development, in connection, in meditation, and in being aware of that. Yeah. But sometimes there is a period in time that you have to be able to push away your feelings. Because brother, listen, I wake up at 4 a.m. every single day and I go work out and I do this, that, and the other. I'm going to say 95% of the time that I wake up, I don't feel like waking up at 4 a.m. But the reason why I do it is because my why and my purpose is so much greater. But if I listen to my, my, my reason of like, I don't feel like it, then I'll never do anything. I'll never be able to accomplish what I'm accomplishing with my business and all that. So there's that fine line to really realize, am I pushing myself? And then figure out what that threshold is because you don't want to push yourself too much to burn out. But that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Another thing that the way you kind of explain it, like, hey, I don't like this. I like studying this instead and so on and so forth. I do believe in our education system right now, it's very difficult for a young adult, young teenager to go into things and force them to take life decisions at such a young age when their prefrontal cortex hasn't even been finalized and developed to their fullest extent. Your prefrontal cortex develops end of 20s, beginning 30s is when it finishes. You're asking these young kids in their teens to take life decisions when they're Cognitive decision-making is not even developed. It doesn't make sense. And here's something I could explain with that, okay? I'm going to use an example of philosophy. I don't know wherever you guys are listening to this, but in Canada, in, in Montreal, in college, philosophy is a mandatory course. And I remember used to going to that class, and I was somebody that was very, like, driven to get good grades because I had my goals. But all I used to do is remember the information, vomit it on the exam, and then the second I, I step out, I forget about it, right? And that's what the reality was. 
I wasn't passionate about it. Nowadays, I'm the same person, obviously evolved through time. I'm a geek about philosophy because that's something I wanted to learn. So it's very intrinsic to understand of what is your passion. And once you have that passion of like that desire, then you'll find a way to learn that, right? So there's that balance between, first of all, understanding what you're feeling like, being a bit like, hey, am I lazy or not? And challenging yourself to like, how can I get out of my comfort zone and push myself? So like you're talking about the Excel. If Excel is important for you to figure out, Lance, there's ways to go about it. And if it's bothering you too much and you're wasting too much time, energy, and resources, then you're like, okay, cool. Who do I need to do this instead of I'm doing it, right? And yeah. that's that balance in itself. Yeah, that's stuff I don't even look at anymore. I got a great team to take care of that. But it was like stuff that I would literally, in, in when I went to one semester in college, I got like 20% on my exam. I looked at it and was like, well, whatever. I just put numbers in there. <laughs> it's just like the biggest joke. But, you know, it's the reality. there's a lot of factors as well as to like, why I wasn't learning nutrition and there's lots of factors, but I would, I would love to kind of segue this into, you know, high performance and how you combine that, you know, like what, so you mentioned you get up at 4am, mm-hmm. you do your thing. What is your high performance formula? Like what is, what, what, what is a non-negotiable for you other than getting up at 4am? Okay. So a couple of things there, I'm going to unpack it. So first and foremost, Obviously, I have my whole routine, and if you want, we could definitely go into it from 4 a.m. What do I do, and what, what, what's the purpose behind it, and what I teach my executive uh, coaching clients to implement within their lives. And like I said, I am a high-performance business and life coach, and the reason why I'm not just a business coach or just a life coach, because I truly believe it's the correlation of both that makes high-performing individuals. I don't care if you're an extremely successful business person, but if you come home and your family life is off, your health is off, you're not happy, X, Y, and Z, I don't think you're succeeding. And the counterpart is true as well. If you have a great family life, this, that, and the other, you're healthy, but every single month you struggle financially, that's not success either. There is this balance in itself. And that happens even before you step into the office. That happens with that person. The more you could take care of yourself, the more you'll be able to be a great boss, a great father, a great brother, a great sister, a great aunt, whatever the case is. But that starts within. So the number one thing that's a non-negotiable for me is that connection between the mind and the body. There's ways to go about activating your body that is directly correlated to your mind that starts off your day in a positive state. So from just power positions, from working out, from taking a cold shower, from taking saunas, from certain stretches, yoga, meditation, there has to be that correlation between how I connect my mind and my body every single day. And then there's different techniques within that from your gratitude journal, from your visualization, from your vision board, from your affirmations, from the actual workout, from what you eat, when you eat, how do you eat it, so on and so forth. That really gets you to that higher level. Because one thing that I truly, as we spoke about being dyslexic, I studied a lot of the brain to figure out what's kind of happening. I realized that there's so much in the brain that we don't know. And when we don't know it, it, it utilizes us. But if we know how to utilize the biochemistry of the brain and our body, we can utilize it to our advantage. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things we could do with that. And just understanding that like, the reason why I wake up in the morning is because my brain waves are a higher state. They're an alpha and theta. That's the direct correlation from your conscious subconscious mind. So it's the moment that I could input in my brain what I want to create so much more. It's the moment that I'm the most creative, the most productive, and the most effective. So that one hour that I have before going to the gym after doing my morning routine of this mastermind is the most valuable time 
because my brain is wired at that time of the day for me to be the most effective. So just by knowing that, then I could utilize that time. And then there's other techniques of how to get in a state of flow and so on and so forth to really increase your productivity 500% by using those techniques of getting in a state of flow compared to not. So that's the way kind of I, I go about it and what I suggest, really that connection between the mind and body. And then we could unpack the techniques if you want a bit more. Yeah. How do you get into state of flow? Let's go, let's go right into that. Okay. And what is, so first, first of all, what is flow state versus non-flow state? Let's define okay, that awesome. and into it. Okay. Awesome. So uh, let me just start off by saying like flow is actually a concept that was put together or first coined in that word by Mihaly Chinsen Mihaly. He has a book actually called Flow. So go check it out. And the concept of flow, the best way I could put it is like, you know, when that athlete is like in the zone and he's doing the post-game interviews, like, yo, I shot everything and everything was just going in. I was just in that perfect uh, moment or that jazz machine that's in like, like that forever pocket. Like, you know, when they're like just riffing and they're just going after it, like, oh, wow. Or that comedian that's like on stage and you're just in that moment and he's just every single joke, every single thing is coming naturally. He's called that forever box. That's a state of flow. Now, where it's important to see is that that state of flow is not just for artists and athletes. It is for entrepreneurs as well and for anybody. And we get in those state of flows. And here's one, like three things that happen when you're in a state of flow. One, your time awareness completely gets lost. So Lance, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm sure it's happened. Have you ever done something? You're doing your work and then you're doing your work and then you pick up your head and you're like, holy moly, it's been an hour that I've been doing this and it only felt like 10 minutes. Has that already happened? Oh yeah, lots. Perfect. Has it already happened that you're actually falling and then while you're falling, you feel like everything around you is going into slow motion and you're analyzing where to put your hand so you won't get injured and this, that, and the other. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, where you're almost hypnotized by it. Exactly. Yeah. So those are, that's, that's in a state of flow. So what happens, time gets exchanged, right? Like it gets either faster or slower depending what you need in that, in that sense. Hmm. Third thing that happens in that regard, is, sorry, second thing that happens in that regard is that you lose your three-dimensional awareness. So once again, you might be working, you pick up your head and then you say, oh, wow, it's been an hour. And then you're like, oh my God, I need to pee. And I didn't realize I needed to pee, but I really need to go. And then you go to the washroom. It's because you're losing your three-dimensional awareness. You're like, everything around just kind of getting shut off. You're just in that country and more. And the third thing, which is the most important, is that you lose that inner negative voice. You are creating without doubting. You're not creating, oh, it's good. Is this not good? What are they going to think? How is this? How is that? You're just in that state of that present moment in creation. Once you're in that state of moment, that present moment, then you're so much more effective. Now, there's studies that show that CEOs that are in a state of flow are five times more effective than people that are not in a state of flow. Five times means 500%. That means, Lance, if you're able to get in a state of flow on Monday, you could stop working Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and you'll be exactly in the same level as a CEO that worked from Monday to Saturday and not being in a state of flow. That's the difference of a state of flow. Wow. Now, how do you activate that? That's the question itself. And there's a whole breakdown of this. But first and foremost is you have to create your environment to get in a state of flow. And the best thing to go about that is notice, first of all, you have to do a work that is challenging enough for you, but not too easy. All right. Let me give you an example. If Lance, you are a phenomenal basketball player. Let's say you're MB style basketball player. And I give you the ball and I'm, just, I'm telling you to go play with six-year-old peewees. How are you going to feel in that, in that sense? Yeah, not good. You're going to feel probably bored, right? You're like, this is a joke, Yeah, right? It's, it's not stimulating for you. No motivation. Now imagine, no motivation, right? Now imagine once again, you're a basketball player, but I get you to play against 
like Space Jam type of aliens that are just massively better than you and your talents can't reach up to them. How do you feel in that state? What emotion are you feeling in that state? Challenged, like like a good challenge, like more motivated to rise my my abilities to theirs. Okay, so you're more motivated, you're a bit more challenged. But like I said, let's create the idea that it, they're like way better than you. You're probably gonna feel a bit anxious because you're like, you're just not in that same league. Like it's impossible for you to be as good as these human, like unhuman aliens, right? Yeah. What you wanna do is do a work that you have enough skills to do it. So imagine you're an NBA player, but it's still challenging enough. So you're still playing against other NBA players that you get in that state of flow. So first and foremost, you have to do something that is challenging enough, but not too challenging that you don't have the skills that you could be good at. Once you're doing that, you're in a state of flow. So you have to look at what type of work and how you're challenging yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's why if you're doing something that you're not good enough, then it's, it's going to be tough. So that's the first thing. Then you have to look at the environment around you. Are you turning off outside things that could bother you, such as your phone, such as notifications, so on and so forth. You have to get in that state of like, I'm getting in a state of flow. So turn those things off. And then from there, you can look at techniques of like, how do I stimulate myself to create anchors to get in a state of flow? Anchoring is a concept of putting something that when you happen or it happens, you know that this is the time to do X, Y, and Z. As simple as like when you put on your sneakers to go out to, for a run, every single time you put on those sneakers, your body subconsciously knows, oh, we're going to go out for a run. And maybe your like competitive level is going to go up because like, hey, when I run, I compete against myself. Your testosterone level naturally is going to increase. As an entrepreneur, you can have that with like, hey, the second that I wear my uniform, which is imagine a suit, or the second that I come into my office and I open my lamp, which is this the lamp that I only open when I work, instantly your subconscious mind knows that we're in work. It's not in play mode, it's work. So you're creating an energy towards this is the activity that we're doing. So anyways, I could like go more in depth, but like these are techniques that you have to utilize at a very high level to get in that state of flow to be more effective. Mm. Powerful stuff because... Yeah, you're essentially making sure that you create that environment that signals you to kind of step into that. I, I can resonate because I was doing that while writing my book. I'd get into a flow, but I'd also, there'd be almost like a, 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 a couple of things that I would do and it's like, okay, now it's writing mode. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, and I think that's super powerful. And yeah, time just disappears. You get lost in it. It's beautiful. It really is. It's, it's the most pleasurable place to be in because like you said, you're in that present moment. And here's what happens. Like I said, I'm a geek of brain science and we didn't necessarily even go into all of that, but your brain does not want you to be in the present. It wants you always to be in the past because the past, he could actually control it. Even though it's something that has actually happened, you do not remember the reality of what has actually happened. So he could tailor it. And he wants you to be in the future because the future, he's the one that tailors it hundred percent, right? But in the present, there's no necess a necessity for the brain because you're living it. So he freaks out when you're in that state of presence. But when you're in a state of flow, you're so in that moment of presence that you're almost in bliss. That's why people meditate. That's why people even take some drugs, to be quite honest, or take anything that, to kind of alleviate that thinking of the past or thinking of the, uh, of the future, being in that present moment. But there's ways to go about it to really activate that and be highly productive within those moments, such as like we're talking about in a state of flow. Mm. Yeah, there's that. It's it's such an interesting concept, presence, because it, we're either living in the past or the future, and rarely present. Yeah. And the few the the present moment that we're looking through, the lens we're looking through, is is usually defined by the stories of the past. You know, we mm -hmm. bring that in. We see something similar that reminds us of 
the past, that emotion comes up and then we make the decision in the present moment based on the same decision we made in the past. And it's, I understand why, but it's one of those things where it's almost like you need to have a clean slate every time you're in the present moment because really it is a whole new it's a it's a it's a brand new moment in a brand new situation a brand new person it has nothing to do you know you can't bring it's almost like bringing baggage and you and it happens in business it happens in relationships we bring all this stuff from the past and it clogs the present moment of something that mm-hmm. could be so great but instead we're we're telling the stories and it's getting in the way of enjoying what is actually in front of us I mean, Lance, for your listeners and not the viewers, as you were saying that, I was grinning from ear to ear because that is legit like 95% of the work that I do with my high-end CEO entrepreneurs. And what is that? It's realizing that your past is not going to dictate your present and your future. Now, it's great to know the past and be aware of it because you learn from it. But if you only realize, and this is the work that you do, if you only start thinking that your past experiences will will create your present and your future and that's it, you know, you'll never grow. Mm. It's that limiting belief aspect of somebody that comes in. Like I said, my clients come to me that are successful entrepreneurs and they're beginning six figures and they want to go to mid six figures to seven figures. This is like the client that I work with and I get them there. The first thing is realizing that like, hey, is it possible for you to change your yearly income from last year to make it into your monthly income? And then they're like, oh, wait a minute. I've never realized that before. Yeah. But not because you haven't done it before that you can't do it right now. And how do you go about that is by changing your physiology, changing your belief, and start putting actions in place for that in itself. Mm-hmm. So it's 100% accurate to really realize that whatever's happening in the past doesn't mean dictates or who you are right now. You could be an uber successful person, but your bank account right now is not reflecting it. It doesn't mean because your bank account is not reflecting that you're not successful. You have to be successful and it's going to continue. Your bank account is going to follow afterwards. But a lot of people correlate certain things, right? Like, oh my God, uh, I'm doing this, but my bank account is empty. So am I really successful? Yes, you are. It's not because now it's empty that it's it's not going to be full in X amount of time because it's directly correlated, right? So it's really understanding those limiting beliefs and how to divorce them in a sense and create new ones and show what the possibility is. Because the only difference between somebody who's making a million or somebody who's making 100,000 is the belief of like, I could make a million. That's really what it comes down to. Because the abundance is out there, bro. Like we're just seeing the last year or so through COVID, how many trillions of dollars have been printed? Like wealth is out there. Yeah. And now we're just giving an example of wealth. Wealth is not the only thing, 100%, but the happiness is out there. A fulfillment is out there and beyond. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because I was actually doing a meditation today and I had this realization about rising above the clouds. And when you can rise above Mm -hmm. the clouds, there's a lot more room up there. There's a lot more playing field. And that's kind of like my my thought about abundance. And that was was crazy because that's, and we're talking about this, it's like there's so much cloudiness in that one space. But if you can get above that, there's so much room. There's enough for everybody. But where yeah. a lot of society is stuck in this this cloud and playing the game, and it's hard to get out of until you realize that when you can get above that by doing the things that you're saying and play in that that field, a lot more will open up for you, right? And your your when you change your physiology, you change your energy, you change your life, you change the situations that are in front of you. So, man, powerful stuff. 
man, Lance, I, I love what you just said over there. Great analogy with the clouds. And that's the reality. That's legit. That's my, my business's mission and vision and my life purpose. Like to get people to realize that there is more than what they're seeking or what they're seeing right now. And that's, like I said, it's not only financially, it's spiritually, it's joy, it's abundance. And once you're able to go to that level, it's, a, it's an ideology of, of collaboration. There is enough for everybody. I'm not competing against anybody. The only person I'm competing against is myself. Because I'm the one that's going to be there every single morning and be like, am I going to wake up at 4 a.m. or not? It's not because there's other competitors. It's not because there's other speakers, other coaches. As we help more people become their highest version of themselves, they're going to be able to help other people. And then as a society, we're going to go forward with more love, joy, happiness, respect, and empathy, which is something we 100% need as a society. And that only comes when people get enlightened in their own regards, in their own beliefs, to go above those clouds like you were so eloquently saying. Beautiful, brother. How can people find you and work with you and learn more about your work? So, Lance, thank you very much for that. So, the best way to kind of contact me, if you are legit a, a CEO that, like I said, started succeeding and, you know, you're, you're quite good, but you just know that there's that next level. Maybe you have a lack of finance, lack of funding, lack of uh, productivity, lack of time management, uh, fear, and so on and so forth. And you're that type of person that wants to go to that next level. That's what I do on a daily basis, my bread and butter. So contact me directly on my website at deadandenterprises.com. You could see to schedule either for me to come in and speak to your team, to your company, or to do uh, executive one-on-one -on -one coaching. We'll see if there's a fit in that regards or through my academy group coaching. Uh, you could follow me on all social medias at Christopher Dedan. My main ones that I really utilize is my YouTube channel, which I'm quite active on, my Instagram and my LinkedIn, which I always put like free information out there as much as possible just to give back to the community of high performers, entrepreneurs, and people that really want to develop in their personal growth. So that's the way to contact me. Fantastic. We'll have it all in the show notes, the show description. Just to end off, what's one piece of advice that you can give somebody that's struggling with adversity in their life right now? I'm going to say a quote of Marcus Aurelius. Like I said, I'm a geek of Love it. philosophy. Marcus Aurelius is a Stoic philosopher. He was known as one of the last great Roman emperors. And this is what it comes down to. You have power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you have strength. Now, why am I saying this? Why did Marcus Aurelius saying this? Why am I highlighting it here? If you're going through adversity, you're most probably 99% of the time thinking about lack, thinking about what you don't have. You're in a chaotic vibration. You're thinking about things that you cannot control. But if we take that step back and go into that gratitude world, going to that idea that would just like uh, uh, Marcus Rose said, of like getting in your mind and controlling that, then you'll be in a present moment of peace and love. And as your vibratory rate changes, then you'll start attracting everything you need and you will get out of that struggle that adversity and answers will naturally come to you. But the only way that happens is in your mind. So that's what I would say. Beautifully said, brother. Appreciate you coming you, on, man. Christopher. Thank you so much, dude. This was awesome. My pleasure, Lance. It definitely was, bro. The time just flew by. We were in a state of flow. I don't know about you, but the time <laughs> just really flew by. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Make sure to check out Christopher's information on the show notes. and. Contact him because he's awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody.